0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today, the government's plan to send refugees to Rwanda In a highly controversial change to UK immigration policy, the government plans to send anyone deemed to be entering the country illegally to Rwanda in East Africa. Last week, the the British government audaciously announced a new policy to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda if they've come across the channel by lorry or boat.
0: Men and women arriving in the UK by an unofficial route will have their request for sanctuary ruled inadmissible.
1: And then, even if their claims for asylum are successful, these refugees don't come back to the UK. They'd stay and live in Rwanda. A
2: one-way ticket to East Africa for people who reach the UK illegally.
1: The proposals have provoked outrage. The head of the Refugee Council said the plan was cruel and nasty. The UN's Refugee Agency said it would breach international law. And on Easter Sunday, Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, said that deporting and dumping Britain's refugees to Africa was
2: ungodly. Subcontracting out our responsibilities, even to a country that seeks to do well like Rwanda, is the opposite of the nature of God.
1: But for Sundar Katwala, the director of British Future, a think tank which focuses on immigration and integration, this is just the latest in a line of similar ideas proposed by Boris Johnson's government.
3: This story has happened quite a lot. And so my first thought was I was surprised that they were actually going through and doing it and announcing it because we've had this policy with Rwanda, with Ghana, with Albania, and often it falls apart.
1: From proposals to use decommissioned oil rigs in the North Sea to shipping people to far-flung countries across the world, the government has been scrambling for ideas to look tough on immigration.
3: I still think there's enormous numbers of questions about whether it ever happens, but we've seen again now that the government is very committed politically to pursuing this notion.
1: And as the prime minister faces continuing questions about parties in Downing Street, and with campaigning underway for May's local elections, he's desperate to change the conversation.
0: Our compassion may be infinite, but our capacity to help people is not.
1: I don't think it's a
3: serious attempt to have hundreds or thousands of people going to Rwanda. I think it's an idea and a slogan and a message.
1: From The Guardian, I'm Nosheen Nikbal. Today in Focus, can Britain really send refugees on a one-way ticket to Rwanda?
0: Our United Kingdom has had a proud history of welcoming people from overseas, including many fleeing persecution.
1: Sundar Katwala, this plan announced by Boris Johnson last Thursday, just as everyone in the UK was going off on their Easter holidays, has generated a huge reaction already. Now we know that the government has long admired Australia's immigration system, which uses these offshore processing centres for migrants that attempt to reach the country by boat. But what do we know about Britain's version of it?
3: Not very much yet. It's not the system that people thought it was going to be, where you've made an asylum claim to Britain and your British asylum claim is being assessed in Rwanda. It looks like it's saying Britain's decided you haven't got an asylum claim, it sent you to Rwanda, good luck, and do you want to claim asylum in Rwanda? With Rwanda, do you want to leave the
0: country and go somewhere else? While those in genuine need uh, will be properly protected, including with access to legal services on arrival in Rwanda. And given the opportunity to build a new life in that dynamic country supported by the funding we are providing. So
3: it isn't the offshore processing that people have talked about for months and months. What it is and how it works and what the basis for it, there are many more questions I think that the government needs to give us the answers to.
0: The deal we've done is uncapped and Rwanda will have the capacity to resettle tens of thousands of people in the years ahead.
1: With those offshoring plans, I mean, do we know anything or have any sense of who exactly would be going there and where would they be staying?
3: The government isn't telling us those details. They've published a memorandum of understanding with the Rwandan government, which is broadly aspirational. The British government and the Rwandan government intend to make these plans. They are saying they've got good reasons to be secretive. They don't want to tell the people smugglers who's going and who isn't going. That might be the reason. The other reason might be that they haven't decided yet.
1: What is the criteria for relocation?
2: What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to get into a um, debate this morning about the specifics of the criteria.
3: They are saying that anybody who comes by the means they don't like spontaneous arrivals, they would call that illegal. That's a disputed term. They would consider everyone. For the rwanda deal
1: the scheme intended to undermine people smugglers will apply to men and women but not children or families such as those who arrive here in small boats across the channel or on lorries and it'll include those who've come since the beginning of the year now as well as the headline grabbing rwandan aspect of this policy there were other parts to this plan that were announced last week there's to be a new asylum processing center at an old raf base in yorkshire And the Royal Navy will be taking charge of monitoring boats in the Channel alongside the UK Border Force. So adding it all up, what story is the Conservative Party trying to tell here?
3: The Conservative Party wants to say we need to get a grip on asylum. They want to say genuine refugees are welcome, but we need to have control have control of our borders, people crossing without us knowing about it is not acceptable. Therefore, we will be tough, and tough is firm but fair, and therefore there will still be genuine refugees, but we're not having people turning up in Britain and having the same rights as people who came through a UN route. So that's their firm but fair version of the message, which some of their voters are really wanting to hear the don't-take-anybody message, and other people are wanting to hear that firm but fair message.
0: This innovative approach driven by our shared humanitarian impulse and made possible by Brexit freedoms, will provide safe and legal routes for asylum.
3: Brexit is the in the world. narrative here because they're saying Brexit will take back control. Brexit is control of the borders and Brexit is deciding to do what you want to do. What the government also does with Brexit and immigration is with its controls, it's actually quite pro-migration on all of the issues that aren't refugee and asylum issues. It's got a new Hong Kong visa. It's actually made non-EU immigration easier for study and so on. So control doesn't always mean reducing migration. But control does mean control. And so where they're struggling on channel crossings is having taken back control, got their sovereignty back. Their sovereignty isn't very useful on their own narrative if people can come into Britain uncontrolled as they would see it. That is why this is a headache for them. They think their voters are very Worried about it, they think the types of voters that might leave them and vote for fringe parties, that is where Brexit fits into this.
0: Well, nobody is agitated more than me for something to be done about the criminal trade across the English Channel. I was covering this story pretty much before anybody else. The numbers have exploded.
3: The other political intention is to say Labour opposes our plans because politically Labour is too open. Labour is for free movement, they're for open borders on. Refugees therefore don't trust Labour because they're talking about human rights with their lawyer friends and their charities and their campaigners.
2: The sort of comments that were made by leaders of the various parties, the reality is they have not a single idea about how we address this issue.
3: That's the political play. It's a very familiar, probably something they were doing at the turn of the millennium and so on. And that's still the message that they think might work today.
1: Priti Patel has said that she's specifically targeting migrants crossing the channel in small boats. But what exactly is going on in terms of the number of people making these perilous journeys? Where are they coming from?
3: So, you know, this is a dangerous way for people to claim asylum. And I think across all sides, this is nobody's idea of a safe asylum
0: system. 24-year-old Mariam Nuri Mohamed Amin from northern Iraq was crossing to the UK to meet her fiancé. He told the BBC she'd been messaging
3: him when the boat began to lose air. What we saw was many more people claiming asylum. You know, it was 20 to 30,000 last year coming on this journey.
2: At least 430 migrants crossed the English Channel to the UK yesterday, according to the Home Office, uh, a new record for a single day.
3: There are a range of Countries, they include Syria, they include Afghanistan, they include Eritrea, they include Iran. So quite a mixed group. It's one of the world's busiest shipping lanes, but bobbing on the waves, a tiny dinghy. On the whole, the five or six countries that people are coming from, their claims are being accepted when they make asylum claims. 99% of people who cross the channel make an asylum claim. They've got a legal right to do that once they're in Britain. And 70% of those are being
0: It's a striking fact that around 7 out of 10 of those arriving in small boats last year were men under 40, paying people smugglers to queue jump and taking up our capacity to help genuine women and child refugees.
3: That is is the downside for the government of their narrative of saying we know these people are mainly economic migrants, not asylum seekers. They don't have a source for that, but their own data shows that these people are mainly refugees. Therefore, the idea of a summary rejection so that you're now eligible for the Rwandan scheme, which is the way this policy is designed, that doesn't seem to fit the case of the kinds of people that are crossing the Channel.
1: And as you've hinted at, it's not the first time we've seen the Tories propose offshore asylum processing centres. Can you tell me a bit more about how this policy has evolved?
3: Government ministers have been very keen to get this developed and Home Office officials have always been very sceptical it will work. And the thing that has always scuppered the plans is whenever anybody names the country they're talking to. So in this Rwanda deal, they've been talking about country X and not naming it because every other time it's been in a newspaper, it's often been the Times newspaper. And as soon as you say they're very hopeful of a deal with Ghana next week or a deal with Albania next month, that Foreign Affairs Ministry says we would never make this deal. That is what has happened in the past whenever they've started to say we're quite close. This time it was different. They briefed Rwanda, was in play. Rwanda didn't deny it. And the Home Secretary is on a plane to Rwanda and giving press conferences.
1: We as two ministers stand here today absolutely committed to changing some of the norms around the broken global migration system. Because for too long, Other countries, and by the way, naysayers, just sit on their hands and have been watching people die. It's been reported that even this time, Preeti Patel has had to overrule civil servants to push this policy ahead. But if she is able to force this through, what is the attraction of Rwanda for this deal? Its authoritarian regime holds a highly questionable human rights record, and the country has a fraction of Britain's wealth and resources.
3: My own view of this and none of us are privy to the diplomatic negotiations that have gone on is that the British government has been very keen to find a partner and it hasn't had a particularly strong view about the merits of Albania or Ghana or Rwanda except that the Rwandan government has managed to stay at the table and get to the press conference. The main attraction of Rwanda is that it was willing to say yes.
1: Cinder, before we look at the mechanics of how the scheme would work, even if it legally could, can we address the politics? First of all, what do you make of the timing of this deal being announced?
3: I think it's not at all coincidental, not just that the Prime Minister's trying to move on from Downing Street parties and so on, but that we're on the eve of the local election campaigns. The Conservatives have often come up with tough immigration messages in different eras when there's an election. Don't forget the local elections are a low turnout election. And a low turnout election is dangerous for a government that is in midterm and unpopular for different reasons because nobody might turn up and vote for you. So a scheme like this can still help you in the short term if it's quite popular with the voters who are keenest on voting for you in local elections if they bother to turn up.
1: Well, you spend a lot of time with British Future analysing public attitudes on immigration, community and run a lot of focus groups checking the temperature of debate. How do you think this idea will go down with the British public? This will be a very new idea
3: to many people. You know, people in political media circles have been debating the Australian model and could you do it and should you do it for many years. The public haven't really heard very much about that. This won't be very popular. It will be polarising. It will be popular with some people, extremely unpopular with other people. But the first polling we saw on the day this was announced, YouGov found out that 35% of people like it when they first heard about it. 20% of people like it a lot. 42% of people don't like it. Over a quarter of people really dislike it. As long as they're safe and they've got somewhere to live. And they're not frightened in the aftermath of conflict. Then yeah. I think it's a good idea, and that fits British Futures' analysis, which is that if we have a debate on asylum and refugee issues that is control and deter versus compassion, then there's a tribe of a third. On both sides of those questions, but that neither of those sides is winning the public argument because the public don't believe in an asylum debate that's control versus compassion. They think that if a government was competent, was doing its job, you could have an orderly, fair and humane asylum and refugee system. Where in Africa are they on? Uh, Rwanda. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, no, oh that no, changes it then. Not.
2: Why has that changed it for you?
3: Because if it's not a very nice place and they're no. going to be going from L to L, then... Yeah. No, they need a better life. Putting everybody off so nobody claims by threatening them with a journey 4,000 miles to Africa isn't that balance of control and compassion, but nor is, which is a challenge, I think, to those of us with liberal views, nor is saying all of this debate about asylum is just made up and is red meat for the base. Actually, there's a real problem here of having a managed, orderly and controlled asylum system that works well.
0: When you're hearing
1: what people are saying, I mean, has the debate or the mood shifted in any way in the last few years? I mean, looking at the crisis of Afghan refugees and now with Ukrainian ones.
3: Immigration attitudes generally are warmer in Britain than they've ever been. And that's been a massive change in the last five years. It's quite surprising, I think, to people who opposed Brexit to find out that while people were unhappy with immigration over Brexit and the government's control in that, that what happened when they took control was that attitudes got a lot warmer. Refugee issues have also got warmer, but it's a more balanced and more nuanced and more mixed picture on refugee issues. But the government is misreading public opinion on refugee issues too. More people are sympathetic to people crossing the Channel than not, but a third of people have got no sympathy for people crossing the Channel most people have got some sympathy. They see the human face. Three times the government has been surprised by the level of pro-refugee sentiment among the British public. When that terrible picture of Alan Kurdi was published back in 2016, almost everyone who was a parent could think, I know what a three-year-old looks like. I can see myself in that situation. So there's a real surge of empathy there. And the government was pushed into having a more generous resettlement scheme for Syrians.
1: Uh. The tiny lifeless body washed up on a Turkish beach was his son, not the first child in this situation and unlikely to be the last. But three-year-old Aylan Kurdi has become a heartbreaking symbol of a crisis.
3: When Afghanistan fell last August, the government, I think, hadn't quite expected the scale of pressure it would have from the right as well as the left, especially for the people who had a connection for Britain, who had worked as interpreters on, to whom we owed a debt of honour, but also to other people, because we, we all know about the Taliban.
1: This was taken in the hotel where they quarantined when they arrived in the UK. They now have a temporary home in the West Midlands, but many are still 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 waiting, stuck in hotels with nowhere to go.
3: And the government was surprised again just in the last few weeks by the wave of support for Ukrainian refugees. The government was saying we must do something, of course, but other countries will do more. We'll have a scheme for the families of people who are there. And it was under public pressure that they were forced to create this new sponsorship scheme. And it was under public pressure that means that Britain will take more refugees from Ukraine than the government was expecting to. And the government is now under pressure from All of the newspapers, the Guardian, the Independent, the Express and the Mail, all saying, could the Home Office get out of the way and let the refugees
0: in? Playtime is over. Off you go. You're not up to it. Get them both out and get in some grown-ups. Why should we have to live with this incompetence as we watch mothers and babies being shelled and losing their lives?
1: So from what you're saying, the Conservatives are reading the room quite badly, and if there is a political trap that they're trying to set up for Labour here, is there any sign that it's working?
3: It's not working very well, but I still think Labour might fear it.
0: I think we need to see these plans for what they are. It's a desperate announcement by a Prime Minister who just wants to distract from his own
3: law-breaking. You know, they're unworkable. The Conservatives have always had an advantage over Labour on balance on immigration, and for the first time ever, they're behind in the polls on labour, on immigration, by nine or 10 points, not because anybody knows what the Labour Party stands for on immigration. It hasn't said anything about that yet. But the Conservative government is unpopular on immigration with everybody. It's very unpopular with Guardian readers and Labour Party voters because they think it's an extremely authoritarian and nasty policy. They're very unpopular with people who'd like a much tougher policy because those voters, maybe who voted for Nigel Farage, they think the government talks a lot but never actually does it. And it's broadly unpopular with this big group in the middle that which talks about the balancers because the balancers just don't think they've got a grip on anything. Are they really going to have this sort of fantastical scheme where everyone goes to Africa? The public have got extremely low confidence in the Home Office and Home Secretary, so they'll believe this when they see it.
1: Well, in his speech on Thursday, Johnson said that this policy wouldn't come in overnight. Meanwhile, Priti Patel says it was, and I quote, ready to operationalise. So if this is such a major priority for the Conservatives, what's the hold-up?
3: Well, it certainly isn't ready to operationalise, and some of the versions of the policy described in the newspapers are clearly not true. There was a briefing in, I think it was the Daily Telegraph, that said what will happen is the army will pick you up if you're an asylum seeker, they will drive you straight to the airport and you'll be on the next plane, and that is just fancy politics.
0: We're confident that our new migration partnership is fully compliant with our international legal obligations.
3: The government has a bill that the Lords is holding up at the moment, which would let it do offshoring. And the government says nothing in this bill undermines our commitment to our international obligations and the Refugee Treaty. But it's very, very hard to see how this scheme works within international law. If somebody comes to Britain, is in Britain, stakes an asylum claim in Britain, how does Britain take them to Rwanda and say you're in the Rwandan asylum system now and Britain didn't have a responsibility to
0: assess your we'll asylum mess. claim. We expect this will be challenged in the courts. And if this country is seen as a soft touch for illegal migration by some of our partners, It is precisely because we have such a formidable army of politically motivated lawyers who for years have made it their business to thwart removals and frustrate the government. The Prime
3: Minister says he expects a court challenge, but he's confident he would win it. It's very, very hard to see how he wins this court challenge with the international laws we've currently got.
0: But I promise that we will do whatever it takes to deliver this new approach.
1: How much do you think Johnson and Patel will relish these legal battles ahead and how does it play well for them?
3: I think they're very keen to have arguments with immigration charities, human rights lawyers, judges and courts about the things they want to do. And that plays very well for their base. I think they're slightly underestimating the opposition in the middle as well as
1: on the left. So one hurdle is the legal battles ahead. But Sunda, what about the cost of the Rwanda scheme itself? How much do you estimate that bill would run to?
3: It depends what they do in terms of cost, because um, at the moment they've put 120 million pounds in the system. That probably might allow them to get a couple of plane loads to Rwanda if they had the legal basis, you know, in time for the election campaign, so they could say actually it had started.
1: Is it less than being in the Ritz for a year?
2: Um, the bottom line here is that it'll very much depend upon the volumes of individuals. Um, who are being um, relocated to Rwanda. It will depend on the length of time that they spend in the um, Rwandan asylum system.
3: I think if you were doing it properly, David Davis says it would cost £32 billion, which I don't think um, Rishi Zunak has. It will cost an amount of money that the government is not going to spend.
2: Rwanda's foreign minister feels they are ready to process thousands. We assist our capacity
1: to receive migrants. And we know that we have Well, we've seen those very posed and showy pictures of Preeti Patel and Vincent Baruta, Rwanda's Minister of Foreign Affairs, shaking hands on this deal. Does that mean Rwanda is ready?
3: Well, Rwanda is clearly ready to be a partner with the British government and to be on television internationally talking about this. There's a lot of detail
2: to come through. This used to be a hostel, but it's already being prepared for the arrival of asylum seekers from the UK. There are 50 rooms in this block, including places to eat and sleep.
3: We don't know what the legal basis is. We don't know what the facilities are in Rwanda. We don't know what the
0: scrutiny will be. Israel scrapped a similar arrangement with Rwanda in 2018. After it emerged that asylum seekers ended up In the hands of people traffickers i don't think
3: anything's ready at all yet and it will be interesting i think to put a note in our diaries for a year's time and maybe two years time and find out how much has happened
1: cinder even if it could be legally implemented would this policy work would it actually deter crossings on the channel
3: We've got no real idea or evidence about the deterrence effect of these
1: policies. 28,500 people arrived last year on the small boats and entered the asylum system. What is your ambition for this year? What will you bring that number down to this year and next year?
2: I'm not going to make predictions about numbers of crossings,
1: how much
3: information do people have about different systems when they choose? What are the reasons that somebody's choosing to come to Britain? If they've got connections here, do they speak English? They think they'll get a job here and so on. The types of policies that people have are not thought to be a very big factor. If every asylum seeker that came to Britain across the channel was going straight on a plane to Rwanda and there were now 20,000 people there and you heard about that before you made the journey, the theory is that will be a deterrent. In reality, that isn't going to happen in the next year or two.
1: Coming up. If this Rwanda plan is doomed from the beginning, what would an effective and compassionate asylum policy look like?
0: Hello, Guardian columnist Jonathan Friedland here. I now have my own US politics podcast, which is helpfully called Politics Weekly America. So if you want to hear my interviews with politicians like Hillary Clinton or expert analysis from Guardian journalists and the latest news from Washington DC and beyond, you should subscribe. To do that, just type Politics Weekly America into Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be there every Friday. And I say to those who would criticise our plan today, well, we have a plan. What is your alternative?
1: On Thursday. Boris Johnson threw down a challenge to anyone finding fault with his plan to come up with a better one. Sandra, I do feel like this is your moment. It's an area you've done extensive research in. Is there a refugee policy that could command public support that is both workable and humane?
3: There's both a message and a policy. The message is very clear. The asylum system should be orderly, It should be effective, fair and humane. And that means giving everybody a claim based on the merits of their claim, not based on how they got to the country. We're interested in whether you were in danger in Afghanistan, not on the mode by which you got to Britain. There are boring ways to fix the asylum system. You need international agreements with France about what we're doing, about people trafficking. You need agreements about how people can safely make a claim. Maybe you could make a claim to a British embassy in France. And if you invested in making asylum decisions in six months, which used to be the norm and is now incredibly unusual, you would have a good policy for people who have got a refugee claim, have got refugee status in this country, can get on with their lives. But you'd also have a better policy with people you say no to. There used to be more returns than there are, partly because the government isn't organised. It's lost control of people. It's contracted out to companies that lose people, partly because the government doesn't want to fund the immigration system, the government today is returning one-tenth of the people last year than were returned in 2010. These boring ways to invest in fixing the system would take the heat out of asylum and reassure the public and get a grip, but they're just less exciting than these uh, schemes of flying people to Africa, or the wave machines was dropped this week, the waves machines that would stop people coming across right. the channel as if in a James Bond movie. That's gone now. So I think there's this cycling through madcap schemes that are never going to happen. And I think there's a time limit on those for a party that's been in government for 12 years.
1: Sunder, from everything you say, this scheme seems to be much more about party politics, about media messaging than evidence-based policy. But Boris Johnson has previously made a very large point of Brexit allowing Britain to take control of its borders. He's now announcing this deal with a lot of fanfare. And this isn't the first move since coming to office to deal with the crossings. And yet there are more than ever, as you say. How big a problem could he be creating for himself if he can't deliver it?
3: I think the problem of undeliverability for the Conservatives is massively underestimated. The Conservatives crashed their reputation on immigration in the last 10 years when Theresa May was the Home Secretary before she was Prime Minister, because they always promised this net migration target of tens of thousands, then they never delivered it. And Boris Johnson, when he came to power, said, I'm not playing that game anymore. I don't believe in the numbers game. I'll put some things up and I'll put some things down. But they had to stop talking about their immigration policy and their net migration target because nobody believed them anymore. They start 10 years on in a position where their own voters don't tend to believe them on immigration and nor do the oppositions. So overpromising and under-delivering is a recipe for public scepticism. At the moment, they're going for more noise. With two years from the election... If they want a massive fight with the courts and the judges and then they say we had this brilliant plan to send everyone to Africa but the courts wouldn't let us, I'm very sceptical that that's a winning election argument. I think the Conservatives might find that they're not talking about immigration and asylum at the election because it no longer hurts their opponents on the left as much as reveals to people that their own record didn't really get a grip in the way that they said.
1: Sunder, thank you so much. Thanks very much. That was Sunder Katwala. You can read his piece from the weekend. Don't assume being hard on asylum is popular. Britons will recoil at the Rwanda plan. At theguardian.com. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Sammy Kent. Sound design is by Axel Cacutier. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Mithli Rao. We'll be back tomorrow.